Igawau acknowledges the traditional owners of the land upon which we record, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and the Wadawurrung people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Good Brother. I'm Will Silky. And welcome to Ego Hour, the show where we deliver objectively true film reviews. Start the time before me, Tom. Anything said over the next 60 minutes will stand up in a court of law, and any subsequent documentaries that it is included within. These reviews are non-negotiable, non-refundable, and non-descript. So, let's talk about Mistaken for Strangers. Debuting on the opening night of the Tribeca Film Festival on the 17th of April 2013 and being released formally on March 28, 2014, Mistaken for Strangers, also known by its alternative release title, The Naked Brothers Band All Grown Up, is a docu-mockumentary following the National on Tour in 2010. The film is captured by the lead singer, Matt Berenger's brother, Tom Berenger, after he accepts a position as a roadie for the National's global tour. The film was made on an unknown budget and made $248,397 globally. Clocking in with a runtime of 1 hour and 32 minutes, the film may just leave you wondering, is High Violet actually not that bad? Coming in with the flames to open the pod. Because I'm sure that there's a lot of National fans, huge amount of National fans listening to this podcast. The the thing is... Well... The issue, I mean, we might as well start this discussion now, is that not liking High Violet is very much an unpopular opinion within national... Fandom. Fandom. It's like... So, I think it's important... Well, I mean, let's just get sucked into it. Um, so, this, al- this film is following them on their tour after releasing High Violet, which is like when they kind of blew up. So, a couple of years before that, they released Boxer, which was like their breakthrough... And then High Violet is like the got theme. got to the Corner Hotel in Richmond on that one, yeah, didn't they? they did. Nice. And then um, I think there's like a War on Drugs poster there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then High Violet is like the kind of album that like promotes them to the next level. And they were like part of this kind of big indie blow up sort of scene, I think, that happened mm-hmm. at the end of the 2010s or whatever. So basically, a lot of, for a lot of people, their reference album is this album. So therefore, they believe it's like the best album, and it also yep. has a lot of their signature so- songs in it. So I think that's another reason why people think that. But yeah, basically, you and me disliking it at, or not loving it as much as their other stuff, I think, is a rather unpopular opinion. Yeah, it's not fully disliking. That's obviously a gag. Um, it's just that, like, the good songs are good. Um, I would say the g- good songs are great. Blood Buzz, um, Walking with Spiders. I don't know it's... the names, to be honest. Is that it? <laughs> Wait, one second. Um, Blood Buzz, like you said, Terrible Love, um, Vandal Isle. Uh, mm-hmm. I like the big couple ones, in my opinion. I, I think the yeah. ones that they, the, the main the ones that, that they are keep still being playing. Played. Yeah. Um, they are crowd favorites and uh, stadium anthems, essentially. But yeah, but the best part about this album is that, uh, sorry, this film is that it incorporates audio tracks from the forthcoming album at the time, Trouble Will Find Me, which yeah. is a great album. And that's probably where we first got into the national. Yeah, that was definitely my entry album. 
And I, I don't know, I just never got... I always kind of just felt like High Violet was like a not as good version of Trouble Will Find Me. And having said that, Trouble Will Find Me is like something that I find is kind of... It's not like a perfect album in my head either. It's just got some absolute rippers. Like, you know, a couple of top five national songs are on that album. So, it's pretty terrific. Yeah, name them. Um, I would say Don't Swallow the Cap, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, Pink Rabbit's on a good day. Um mm-hmm. This is the last time, or like, a, all, they're like a couple of my favorite national tracks. Yeah, and the one that broke them through and got them onto the Entourage movie, "I Need My Girl," of course. <laughs> but, <laughs> it's so funny that you remember that. Like, I think that as well. Um, yeah, and it's just so weird to think about, like that scene. <laughs> I don't know. What was it? it it's like he's upset that he can't no, get back I, with. No, I think he's. It's when Sloane has the baby. And what, she doesn't love him or, or is it emotionally positive? No, they're like in the hospital and all the boys are there and they're like cuddling each other and stuff. Cause, yeah. Which is it, something you have to say about the National is that you can, you can, they're very popular and that you can also see like why lots of people wouldn't like them because they definitely have very sound trackable m- music, you know. Mm. You could take any yeah. of those big ones and put them into a scene in the Entourage movie and it would, it would <laughs> you know, serve a purpose. Yeah, I think they're trending upwards, which is a nice thing as well. Like upwards the new, how? Their albums are getting better and better. I Interesting. Reckon. All right. Yeah. Okay, well, I guess we'll just do all the well, national discography chat. First, maybe chat. we'll do, why should you watch this movie? An okay. important segment for the non-obvious fans. So, cue the track. Why? Why? Why should you watch this film? Why? I'll tell you why. So, why should you watch this movie? You should watch this movie if you like This Is Spinal Tap. So, we watched This Is Spinal Tap last year, and um, a lot of people love that movie, and I liked it quite a bit. But uh, And I was surprised at how well it had aged, especially because there was a chance it was offensive and stuff like that. But I think it's really funny, and it's held up really well. But this movie probably made me laugh more than This Is Spinal Tap, because... It's like they were doing the similar sort of thing, but they were just being more sarcastic and a bit more downplayed about it. Like, whereas this is Spinal Tap's very in-your-face making fun of this stuff. The uh, Mistaken for Strangers manages to do that, but at, like, a, a subtler level. Yeah, they're, they're different. They exist in different musical scenes, though, because mm. this is Spinal Tap came out when that heavy... They call it heavy metal, but you, know, you wouldn't really call it heavy metal anymore. Hair but like metal? that's. Hair metal or glam rock or whatever it was was kind mm-hmm. of at the peak of popularity. So it's like mocking the thing that is the most popular music in that time. And although the Nationals' music is like quite popular, um, it's not like this movie's about Ariana Grande or something like that. It's 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 kind of like this. It's funnier because it's aware that the type of music they're making is pretentious and is like this kind of self-important sort of thing, which I think really makes it a lot funnier. It's not like looking at mm. the most popular thing and being like, look how ridiculous this thing is. It's kind of aware of it. It's more, it's obviously self-aware, you know what I mean? Because it's yeah. still existing in that niche or whatever. And it's cool because it's coming from the inside and they're making fun of themselves by letting this documentary be released. Um, it's a good way to respond to criticism and... Um, 
you know, yeah, just criticism and making fun of them. I think it really gets to one of the reasons why I love The National so much is that I think that they're really funny. I think that their music has tons of funny stuff in it. And mm. if you just listen to it for the mood, you wouldn't pick up on that and it would be super self-serious and stuff like that. And you know what? Maybe this is why this is my least one of my least favorite eras. The High, High Violet's like not my favorite album. It's like it's not as funny as their other albums, I don't mm. think. I think Alligator's like really funny. I think Trouble with Fimey has some funny stuff in it as well. But something about this one seems like a bit too serious, I guess. Mm-hmm. But yeah. then obviously this documentary serves as a nice contrast to that. Yeah, we can talk about their albums in a second. But Sorry. good points. All good. You should, I, I don't know. I feel like you wouldn't be upset if you watch this as Spinal Tap and then you watch this. It's in the a similar vein and not far off tier-wise. It's very funny. Yeah, I think this is really solid. I and it's so far from like you having to like their music or whatever. I, I, I mean, obviously, I can't particularly judge that, but mm-hmm. I just feel like that is the case. I feel like everyone would kind of find it funny. Well, you just zoom out a little more and look at people making fun of themselves, and that's pretty good. Mm. Um, but yeah, so why should you watch this movie? You should watch it if you like The National. Very obvious, but I thought we'd hook you in with the, the wider pool first. Um, the National look are really funny in this film. Their music is good, really good in this film. Their concerts look good and all that stuff. It's obviously if if your band and or artist releases something, you got to absorb it. And this is a great entry into the the canon of films that bolster the music. Mm. Yeah. Any other reasons? Um, if you think shooting on film is overrated, this is the the movie for you. This whole film is captured on a hand cam and. It's low res. Well, it's not low res. It's probably 1080p, but it's not like amazing image. You get a lot of blown out highs and lows. And I found it particularly inspiring as a filmmaker because, you know, all through film school, they tell you, oh, it doesn't matter what your story, it doesn't matter what the shooting is as long as it's a good story. You know, it's a lot. The best way to improve a film is the cheapest way to improve a film is to improve the script. And all these different sayings like that and then you get like these inspirational quotes from i don't know scorsese going you gotta make a mo- no james cameron you gotta make a movie whatever you can shoot it on you gotta make it um and then this is that james that. cameron sounds james cameron's like hey delete every second frame and then <laughs> i'm telling you like, we'll save so much time he's like there's too much logic in this film let's cut it out a little bit ah nationalistic american views come on guys um but yeah it's i don't know don't you think so what did you take from that i would add on the hand cam oh no it was cool it just it, it does just show that you can do a lot i think with if you know what you're doing or what you're going for you know hmm. um because you don't it, it is this film's very immersive you know what i mean it's not like you obviously it's a documentary or like you know that's the thing so you you have lower expectations but um lower it does, expectations than what like visually like you don't expect it to be perfect you expect it you accept uh, some yeah. sort of realism you know what i mean but yeah mm. i don't know they it, it's good immersive mm. yeah, I would immersive's add. good it kind of just kicks off with this momentum because the the premise is so simple but it's so addictive and like the opening intros are really well placed as well. Have you got just any the... more um, reasons to watch this film? No. That's I'll just add it. one. If you've got a brother 
or a, or you're a sibling. You got a brother. I'm the ranch shoulder. Big family film. Minari yeah. Part Two. Yes, this is a film we need right now. <laughs> um, and what were you going to say? Sorry, the opening scene. No, go talk about family. The fans oh, it's need just to know. there's this really sweet heart to this about family and you know brotherhood, but it doesn't even have to be brothers. You know, it's about your siblings and close friends, how, how you relate to each other, and you know expectations of each other and what you think your life's going to be like, all of this stuff like that, which is yeah, really Yeah, it parodies really nice. it and as well as having legitimate comments on it, <laughs> which is pretty yeah, impressive. Yeah, because they're, they're together making this film and also knowing yeah. that Matt's wife, Corinne, had a big part in it as well, I think mm-hmm. is really cool because she's like, just like the MVP, you know. You, it's, it's relationship goals to like have that, be that creatively compatible with your partner, I think is really cool. Yeah. So, what's the other context about them being creatively compatible? Well, she writes a lot of their music. They write a lot of lyrics together. Oh, really? Yeah. Does she do her own art? Yeah, she's a writer. So, she's written in lots of publications and stuff, I believe. Books? Uh, like I don't know about Creative books. fiction? I think... I don't know, to be honest. Open and seen. Um, just, so, they show these interviews about The National. And whenever you see the interviews about a band... It's always a hype up, but it's it's good because that scene is almost associated with parody now, where you see, like, they're the hottest band in the city, I mean, in the country, yeah. number one, four weeks in a row, and that's what they're doing, and then, like, you actually jump into reality, like, it's just, it's just a killer hookup, and we're obsessed with anything, not anything, but I think we're a bit obsessed with fame coverage, it's pretty interesting. Um mm-hmm. Especially when you think of yourself as a protagonist in your own film and that you're, you're destined to be a movie star or a movie something. Um, but yeah, it's really fun covering this stuff and you've already got me hooked just talking about like the cultural look at you as an individual um, and then they swerve you by going with the brother and it's just funny. And yeah. that, that quote's so good. I'm glad there's that interview where he's like, he's like, oh, you got described as a band of brothers um, and... The two brothers are in the band. Where's your brother, Matt? And he's like, he's like, you don't have a brother, Matt. He's like, no, I do have a brother. Yeah. He doesn't. He likes heavy metal, and he thinks indie rock is indie pretentious. Rock is pretentious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Great setup for a character. Yeah, it's like gold. <laughs> you you couldn't. Um, yeah, it's perfect. Uh, this is the thing. Like being famous and having a platform gives you. I think what I really like about this as well is that they have a platform that allows them to do creative, funny stuff like this. And they actually took that opportunity. Like, it's interesting to be in the moment, right? And so, that they're obviously a hot band when this film is being made. Um, mm-hmm. For them to have the awareness to be like, to take advantage of that and to make something that's so actually like unique and funny, as opposed to being just completely swept up in all that was going on and worried about protecting their brand or whatever. Mm. Because, you know, yeah. you have your breakthrough album and then you have your one that makes you quite famous, but you don't, there's no, nec- uh, like luck, uh, not luckily, but they've remained consistent or consistent and relevant after that, but there's no guarantees of that, you know? Yeah. So to do that while this is happening and not to make this film while that's all happening, I think is really, really great. And I think a good opportunity being seized because, you get to play, you know, you do those interviews, then like Obama's in this and all of that is, 
yeah, taken so advantage good. of. It's just so funny and so great. It, it just makes you think like, wow, if I had these opportunities, I would. you'd have to take advantage of them, you know? But it'd be really easy to be too busy, wouldn't it? Like, Absolutely. But I, uh, I think it's kind of grounding as well, you know, because if you get to do something like this while it's all happening, maybe it all plays into this kind of mm-hmm. like you're still making art sort of thing as opposed to like being a celebrity. Maybe that makes yeah. it more manageable. I don't know. Well, I, and the whole you're not writing stuff on tour and stuff. So, yeah, I guess that adds to it. I guess this immediately brings into the question of what's real and what's not real in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's not incredibly important for entertainment value, but for discussion, I suppose it's interesting. Well, have you researched it? Because I have not really. Yeah, I did a, a bit of um, surveying of some interviews. Um, it seems like they've really stuck with the idea that it's completely true. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I don't know. It's hard to say because tonally it sounds like they're joking because they're not... They keep saying these lines, like they keep referring to him getting fired on tour and they... Um, say that they found that the footage was good when Karen was going through it and he filmed all this Corinne had Corinne Corinne saw the the footage and she thought all the stuff about Tom being drunk and crying was really interesting Mm. but so I I think the the true answer is somewhere in the middle to be honest I think because Matt was saying that he got invited on the road to record behind the scenes um, because they thought they could use it for their website or something like that Mm-hmm. Um, but there was no plan of making a movie. And, you know, I believe that. I imagine that he bought a camera and was doing behind-the-scenes stuff for fun, and um, maybe he had some small responsibilities, but not proper responsibilities, because, well, maybe he had real responsibilities, actually. It's just that, obviously, that they, they parody it on the documentary that he's like, I don't know, um, the water bottles and stuff is pretty funny, and he's like... yeah. I just think there's a few too many things that happen. There's a few things that happen that don't, that do, just don't seem real. Like, uh, particularly the scenes with the road manager and stuff like that. You but just... you can stage that amongst actually being on tour is probably the punchline, you know? Mm. You'd still have time to be like, because I reckon they filmed it and then they realized, hey, this could actually make a good documentary. We've got a lot of footage here. And then they're like, okay, we'll shoot some scenes to bookend it. And stuff like that. Like when we right. were doing the Good Brother documentary, you know how we were like working on like saying lines that would contextualize later information better. Yeah. I think it's like he probably went on tour. Maybe he did record himself saying, I'm going to go on tour. And then that sort of stuff and did a bit of background vlogging and singing and like being a dickhead and stuff. Maybe he like was filming himself crying because he thought it'd be funny to show the guys and like all that sort of stuff. And then eventually yeah. they're like, oh, there's actually a movie here. We just need to shoot a few pickups to like make the story have a a bit of momentum, like where the bo- he's like yeah. the boss is firing him because the guy firing him is so clearly like holding back laughter. I feel like yeah, yeah. I don't know, but it uh, you're right. It exists in this thing where it, I don't think it particularly matters whether it's real or not. It's it's somewhere in between, and I'm ha- even if I found out it was all fake or it was all real, it wouldn't t- particularly change how I feel about it. I think. Because, yeah, I think the I think a lot of people are scared of things not being real, but like mm. I think it you have to have come up with the idea, and those but ideas it, it is come so from real place you know, and you I just feel like you can't say it's not real when there's like the stuff with Obama like that, even if that's the story is fake, like that really happened, you know, yeah. and he really filmed Obama from the other room and shit like that, which is just hilarious, hilarious. you know. Yeah, that's, his confidence to keep filming in that building is <laughs> very... Yeah, I'd be um, so stressed. <laughs> yeah. 
Does that mean that they had to like, they must have had to, when they were releasing the film, get in contact with the White House and be like, hey, can we put these scenes in the film? I suppose so. Or maybe not. I don't know how that works. Or maybe he filmed them just to the side, like, you know, like, because you can, I don't know. It's very fascinating. And it's a cool question of, I feel like it's fun about it that you don't know what's real and what's not real. Yeah. I, I just think it can't not be real as well. Like, you can't tell me that Tom is completely, like, a bu- you know, he's got everything figured out and he's got no self-consciousness and he's like, because he's coming up with these questions and asking these other people. And everyone else in the band gets to do a hilarious, like, cameo in this film just to be really funny and the whole gag with them is just, yeah. But- oh, let's talk to them. And then they're like, why are you always talking about Matt? And then yeah. he cut off him <laughs> straight to Matt. So good. Yeah, it's very funny. I also like when... He misses the bus, like that's what gets him fired. And he's like, I was at the bar with like I can't remember, but like two of the guys from the band. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, they're just left without saying anything. I, I don't know. That's so funny to me. Yeah. Well, and even the scene that follows that, where it's like the sad. Is it I need my girl playing when he gets fired? No, like, it's the, not the I need my girl. Oh, it's I don't know something. One of the sad songs is playing, and then it's him filming people's faces with a flash. Yeah, while they're sleeping. While they sleep. Yeah. <laughs> so funny oh god um, but yeah apparently they ended up with 200 hours of footage which I believe like he probably just rolled and rolled and rolled but man I don't, how would you yeah. even try and this film is like very short it's what 76 minutes or something and there's a full song at the end of it with credits so it's like mm. you know 70 minutes long maybe mm. and I th- think it's good it's like the perfect length you know mm. it definitely I could- never felt yeah, it dragged on. or didn't drag or whatever. Yeah. The, the, the story always had enough momentum for me. These things are always difficult to pull off because I think that they can run out of steam because there's a good idea and then you just kind of do it a little bit too much. But I think that it was edited really tight, which was really great. Hmm. What do you think about the emotional messaging within this film? What I think it means. And how do you take it? I mean, I kind of talked about it before, like being a family film and that sort of stuff. I don't know. It's just interesting. It, it just really puts, it highlights some things about the rock star journey or whatever that other films don't even bother with, which I think is really cool. So like the other people in their lives, for example, or, you know, like how it affects them or not even affects mm. them, but just like how weird it all is, you know, and having some other person, you know, like compare this to like, what's the Radiohead one called? Meeting people is easy. Um, mm-hmm. which is about them after OK Computer blows up and they're all just, like, fucking depressed and it's just this, mm. like, eerie, weird, like, film that makes you anxious. Yeah. And it's, like, stuck on the five guys or whatever and they're just, like, you feel, like, trapped or whatever. Mm. And with this one, you have someone else watching somebody probably go through that sort of stuff, you know? Yeah. And it's, like, so self-absorbed or whatever that... You, and yeah. he's making fun of it. Like, yeah. I feel like Matt Barrett, I feel like there were definitely some awkward filming moments in this film that probably didn't make the cut, but maybe they did. And we thought they were jokes because he seemed to be talking to them at quite vulnerable times, making fun of them. Mm. Um, so he obviously had to find his place with that because he's like going up to Matt. He's like, you never played in front of this many people before, have you? Yeah, that's a lot of pressure, isn't it? Mm. And that would be and real. I, yeah, you uh. wouldn't fake that. Um and then Matt is probably, like, freaking out. Like, I don't think Matt threw any temper tantrums. Oh, those were the real temper tantrums. Like, especially when he sits down, like, opposite him and he's just filming his face and he's, like, making fun of him. It's too it's too hilariously paced and stuff. Um, yeah. I think... Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, go on. There you go. I think a big part of the success of them as a band and this 
film, maybe not this film as much, but the fact that they're all like kind of older um, and not young musicians definitely changes the experience because yeah, it's so funny. Like you're, you're having your moment and you're already that little bit older that it feels kind of bad, lame to be like drinking all the time or partying and doing all this sort of stuff, even though like yeah. you're a rock star and you're having your moment and you should be allowed to be doing that at that point in time, you know? It's interesting context going home in the film as well and seeing um, his wife and child, you know, because that's a, definitely a stage of your life. It is hard to imagine you being on tour for that. Hey, hey, hey. Um, <laughs> how about? <laughs> do we want to do the chat about the, about the music? Because it can yeah, become the mediest part of this podcast, so let's get it out of the way early, I'd say. Or earlier. Oh, what I was going to say, another thing that you should watch this movie, if, is it's a bit like the Trip series, but a bit more grounded in reality. So it's an interesting thing in the context of when you consider that, because that's a really funny series, but the self-parody is quite clear. And the weaker movie, which I think is either the second... I can't remember which one. It's Italy or Spain, but I can't remember which. Weaker, in my opinion, because they just... Because they do this fake drama in it, and then one time they zag instead of zigging, which they've done for all the rest of the series, and then it's like, oh, I don't like this as much. Um, but this one being completely grounded in almost true stuff is quite funny. Right. Well, what do you talk about your experience with the band and what they mean to you, and what's your favourite national? You did have a comment where you said you think they're getting better and better, so I think that's interesting. Yeah, I think they are. I think that... So I don't really remember when I, start, when I started listening to them because you got into them first. Um, I think it was Trouble Will Find Me and I just started putting it on a few times after school, that sort of era. Let me just get the track list up so I am saying the truth. I have this... Um, <laughs> I don't know why. I remember getting into the Trouble Will Find Me when I was studying for exams and the two albums I was listening to at that period of time were Trouble Will Find Me and then Barter Six by Young Thug. And I just always thought it was funny <laughs> that those were two things I got into at the same time. Yeah, so Trouble Will Find Me came out in 2013 and then Sleep Well Beast and Can't Till 2017, which is quite a gap, but I suppose that's the indie life. Um, yeah, I, I was like, don't swallow the cap. Um, sea of Love's good as well. This is the sea last love, time. Yeah. Graceless. And mum really got into I Need My Girl and Hard to Find and Pink Rabbits. Good. So um, many bangers. So many good ones. Yeah, I just, I think they got better and better. And I Should Live in Salt is good as well. I just think they got better and better. Bec- they're getting better and better because their albums are becoming more textured. They're pulling away from, not pulling away, but they're evolving the indie rock sound and get in more and more interesting with what they're doing with mixing and um, different instruments and stuff. Yeah, I think that's a good take. And I think I, my two kind of favorite national albums are Alligator and Sleep Well Beast, which I think are two representations of the different sides of the band. So I think that Alligator is really fun and good because it's got lots of energy. And it's the last time that they've, he did like the scream, proper screaming and stuff like that, which I'm just happy that exists. And it feels like mm. very New York. And you can just tell they're like a band that hasn't, broken through yet and it's got that energy to yeah. it whereas on the other hand i think sleep while beast is really great because it's them doing new things and it's just the most conceptually it feels like the most interesting thing they've done um it's very controlled um and very like it looks like the album cover it it's like very uh kind of moody but then 
Yeah, I don't know, because that's the one with um, which is the song that starts completely different and then changes. Is it "I'll Still Destroy You" or something? Yeah, or, probably. What's the one? It's like completely ambient at the start, and then it gets into like music. Anyway, uh, just the stuff probably they're that, doing yeah. with synths and guitars mm. in this album is really good. Yeah, and it's just like people being good at their instruments and everybody's instrument getting a part to shine and then Matt coming in with just like a deep bassy voice and being like it, it's like what Nick Cave it's a bit Nick Cavey to me but um a bit more musical is mm. that yeah my, like, like my one complaint with but... Nick no but I mean the thing with Nick Cave is like you've got to be very patient and he mm. all these albums nowadays don't really take that step up and the national like definitely kind of maybe Definitely have a few songs that kind of lag a bit too much, I would say. They've been guilty of that their whole career, I think. Mm. But they also have ones that are like upbeat and have like... I think what really sells a lot of it is the fact they're such a distinct distinct drummer, I think. He's like mm. an original drummer and they always let him loose at least once or twice on an album that really mm. lifts up the tracks. It's always like 16th snare hits, fills and stuff like that. Like very punchy mm. um and that's what i love about alligator is and then that it, alligator it's like yeah alligator has got so those interesting timing and, and stuff yeah. like that like dun, 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 dun. and like they always use like five three and three three timing <laughs> so three four five three and three four five three all right what is five three what oh five six four. eight six eight what's five four is that a thing five, yeah five four is like 15 step by radiohead uh, yeah, what's the one that's like uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 1, 2, 3, Yeah, four, that's 5, five. 4 yeah. Yeah, um, I was right anyway. They do that Or they'll do that Like I thought 15th is where it's like They vary on the second one or something like that Anyway We've seen them live We've seen them live at the Sydney My Music Bowl They were really good I've seen them twice I saw him in. Where else did you see him? In Germany, when I was in Europe, I saw him in Frankfurt. Wow, weird flex, but okay. Well, the thing that we need to mention is that we were going to see them here, and they had Phoebe Bridges opening for them, and then obviously got cancelled because of COVID. Crazy, which crazy is really shit because I think that is a once in an era concert to happen, and won't ever. And happen. Phoebe's too big now. Yeah, she's too big. She's like one of the biggest people in indie music or whatever yeah it's really so upsetting nice. to mum because mum's a big national and phoebe bridges fan mm, poor mum and here we are they'll mm. tour again yeah but yeah so um, at the end of this i don't know what my favorite album is to be honest because it was sleep well beast and i'd locked into that but hearing i am easy to find the other day like i am easy to find is in the same era but it's like got some nice like upbeat sort of ones you know it reminds me a little bit, this is like a, a strange take maybe, but it reminds me a little bit of like Blood Orange. Like it's an album that kind of like just has these like uh, sm- I think smooth the, voc- parabolas the vocalists, um, like the that. different vocalists probably contribute to that as well. Yeah, it's a bit mixtape-y um, by having different voices and stuff. Well said. Um, yeah. Wow, look at me. Look at me go, getting praise for my Well, music that's the takes. thing. I think I Am Easy to Find is it's their longest album and Considering that I think that most of their albums have one or two songs that I could live without, it mm. maybe can be an issue, but I really like what they're going for, you know, and it's exciting. Mm. And I think that, conce- like, lyrically, it's probably not a, my favorite sort of writing that they do, that he's done, 
because it's kind of stuck in that. But there's also some like killer lines that make you want to cry. So I don't know. I think it's really solid and I love the ambition and I like the different vocalists. I think that's a very cool thing to do. Is this the one that we're going to break up about? I think that was like oh, yeah. Sleep Well Beast, which is interesting. Because mm. Sleep Well Beast feels so political to me. And like that's what the tone of the album is in my head. But there's obviously breakup songs in there. Mm. Um, and then I have a relationship with Alligator as well. I got into Alligator. But that was the, um, that's the one older album I'm into. So I think that you shouldn't sleep on Boxer. I think Boxer is fantastic as well. I just I think- like... Yeah, go on. Like, what are my what are my alligator songs? Secret meeting, Bang secret up. meeting. Of course, it's a great opener, right? Terrific opener. Um, um, think, Miss um, November. Miss November's pretty iconic. Abel. Um, yeah, Abel's good. Fell just as good, right? What all the wine? That's a ripper track. Uh, that's one of my faves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good stuff. Boxer, don't sleep on. I think. It's got mm-hmm. some great songs. Anyway, the title track from this, this is interesting. So this is called Mistaken for Strangers, which is the name of a song off Boxer. And it's interesting because I really wanted to hear it in the song just because I think it's, it's one of their best songs in my opinion. Um, mm. And it's got tons of energy to it. But also conceptually, it doesn't fit this film at all, like lyrically. Yeah. Because that song is about being a suit, a soulless suit in the city lots of s's there (laughs) a solar suit in the city and um you know kind of losing yourself and whatever which is not what this is about at all Mm. you know so the mistaken for strangers like title makes sense but the song Mm -hmm. itself does not apply to the situation yeah i do want to talk about how let's let me just quickly talk about some of the lyrics and that the chorus is so beautiful um you get mistaken for strangers by your own friends as you're passing them by under the silvery, silvery city bank lights. Arms and, arm in arms and arms and eyes and eyes glazing under. You wouldn't want an angel watching over. Surprise, surprise, they wouldn't want to watch. Another uninnocent, elegant fall into the unmagnificent lives of adults. As if that's nice. not like the best chorus you've ever heard in your life. It's pretty beautiful. good. It's unmagnificent. He has like, good oh. visual um, emotive lyrics. But yeah, I, I quick bit about, yeah, he's just an amazing songwriter. And whenever I want to write songs, no matter like what genre or whatever I go to, I like f- play a lot of the national, you know? Yeah. I, yeah. And he's basically delivery. It was you talking about, um, you were talking about how you want to watch your favorite filmmakers, write When you want to make something, mm-hmm. we had this conversation briefly. So this is like the thing, like I listen to, it's like a staple of mine when I'm in a writing mood to listen to lots of, lots of national inspo yeah yeah, yeah. Gotcha. it reminds you like why you do what you do or, or why you <laughs> you know what i mean why yeah yeah yes you want to bring your perspective um to this you know discourse i guess that they're putting out there i don't know that's not a well said thing but anyway so let's get back to the movie a bit more like what is it that this film does that other documentaries or mockumentaries don't do i th- i think it's like we were saying before, the self-awareness, the fact that it's making fun of the moment that it's living in, I think is a big part of it, you know, Mm. and difficult to do properly. Yeah. I also think that it has, its poignant message is actually quite powerful because that's how you leave this movie and don't just go, that was fun. Because like the bad version of this, um, well, the less good version is just doesn't have a conclusion. It's a bit more 
oh, let's get back together, Matt Berenger. We're brothers and stuff like that. But the fact that it takes this like sidetrack down an interesting theme and idea and then executes it quite well is quite meaningful. Um, and the ending scene's a really, really great scene. Um, like the performance it, of the song. Yeah, that's killer. Like it's yeah. hilarious and fit in for the themes of the movie and everything, right? It's yeah. all about like and one thing supporting about th- each other and both succeeding together. Well, seeing them live, it's like that. He, every concert he does that, he goes into the crowd and does that for a song. And it's just like the best part of the show. You know what I mean? That's like what you come for. And that happens and you're like, fuck yes, that was sick. And he does it. Because you feel like it's it's completely unique to yours. But even knowing it's not, it still feels unique to yours, doesn't it? Yeah. And it's so chaotic. The fact that he uses a long lead as opposed to a wireless Anxiety mic and doing that is so, so nuts. Um, and it's dangerous, right? And a bit reckless because people get whacked in the face by the lead. But and strangling. and <laughs> It also wouldn't be the same if it was with a cordless mic. It just feels so yeah. like... You know, it, he breaks that fourth wall or something and comes off the stage and it's real and there's, like, danger or whatever, you know? It, it's and such it's, an... Like, the wireless mic version is he comes past you and then it's like, oh, he's gone. But mm. the mic's still being there. He's still got to go back, which is yeah, really cool. Exactly. You're still in it, like... And people are helping him out, like, holding up the lead yeah. and stuff like that. Everyone's yeah. trying to touch him and then help him out. So, it's a beautiful thing that happens in their concerts and then the end scene of... Um, Tom helping him with that and like running the lead and stuff like that. I don't know. It's just perfect. And it and then landing in the lobby as well is pretty cool. You didn't know you needed. It's like I'm going to compare it to Portrait of Lady on Fire. It's the ending you didn't know was coming, <laughs> but you're so damn happy that they nailed it. Because that scene would have been endearing if they made a whole documentary about the guy who normally wrangles the security lead. Don't you reckon? There's just something so symbolic and kind about that image. Hmm. Like yeah. one person supporting another person's artistic thing. Yeah. Mm. It's it's great. Um, but yeah, it, it has like a meaningful uh, weigh-in on the, the brotherhood storyline and discourse and history and stuff like that, which is really cool. But how does it read um, to you? I think it's parody. Um, I think that... Because his brother actually seems talented. And I, ho- I know the whole point is that like most people are talented pretty talented at stuff like there's something that someone else can do that you can't do that's like good like he was a good drawer and he had he seemed to have like a a creative mind to like make the movie even and stuff Mm -hmm. um but yeah i don't know i wonder if it's just more like there's this quote that played in the trailer twice which i didn't really particularly remember where he goes oh i didn't realize you hadn't been to europe before so it's really nice that they do get to share this stuff but the only level of like, the level of jealousy would be more like, oh, I just wish I was doing this stuff rather than, like, I wish I was doing your thing, you know? Yeah, that's what it is, though, because they're obviously different. And it's it's not the same as being, like, they have the same dream and some person gets it and someone doesn't get it, which would happen mm. with, like, athlete families, for example, I think. Yeah, um, that'd be really hard, hey? But they're different people, which is what makes it interesting. They're different, but I, I feel like they're very similar, which I could be making up, but just... The whole existence of this film makes me feel like they're quite similar and they have similar sense of humor. have that same sense of humor, yeah. Mm. But they're nine years apart or something. Like, sorry, I meant to say, his quote was, so on an interview I saw, it said, what, what was the agenda of having him come on tour? And he says, 
Matt says, a lot of the agenda was I missed him, my little brother. I hadn't really spent time with him since he was a kid. He was nine years old when I went off to college. Like, that's pretty unreal that they can then just sync up so effectively and so quickly. Like, there's something in that, right? Yeah. It's it's cool. I don't know. It, it, it's a sort of... It just... Uh, I don't know. It's always good to see art that, like, goes for something that's very common but um, isn't talked about that much or whatever or, or they don't really make them about this thing and this is like i said it's why we like minari a lot because it's a family thing mm. and they're so relatable or like so you have some sort of relationship positive or negative to your family no matter what or your siblings you know mm. and it's just good to see it like focused being the focus of a film um yeah i think that's the timer we're keeping it tight like the film yeah all right. Well, it's just an interesting one to talk about because you can't super duper weigh in on the production quality and stuff like that. We can talk about broad editing um, decisions they made, which seemed good and um, seemed the good. the theme. Um, I think the the Dresna brothers do really well in this. Desna, That's their names, yeah. right? Sorry, there's no R in there. Desna, Desna. Like they're both hilarious. They both have some great scenes. Obviously, the brother popping his head up and doing the entry into frame, and then also the other brother um, saying, talking about Matt, is <laughs> pretty hilarious. Um, I think yeah. what is interesting to me as well, the one last thing I think that this we haven't really talked about is this film is primarily takes place in 2011 or whatever, mm. um, this big indie rock boom. And now that we're a decade later, I find it funny to reflect on that scene in that moment. And they're a good band to look at, right? Because they were like the huge band back then, one of the pillars of that scene. Um, I'm, you know, like maybe like Arcade Fire or like another band who's from that indie scene who like got really, really actually big, proper big. Mm. And then it all seems a bit lame now on reflection, that kind of seriousness of, you know, like I agree with him, like the pretentiousness of indie rock sort of thing. It's kind of embarrassing. Like a bunch of, a bunch of like funny. the way they, like, I don't relate to the way that they all dress in, dressed in suits and like, you know, had photo shoots on the beach and stuff like that. It's all quite funny that the seriousness of that scene. And then I think if you look at the members now is that like Aaron Desner is like at a creative peak right now because he's like working on Taylor Swift albums, you know, one of which won album of the year at the Grammy. So it's like he's having such a creative moment, right? A decade away from that, and it's the, it's not it's the opposite of that scene, you know. Like it's so free from that now. I yeah. Think it's just so you're saying funny. that they managed to hold on long enough to, uh, till it kind of went away, or did they, uh, you know? Well, it's got to be a testament ascend. to them, and that they have this lasting power, this that they can have that longevity, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it maybe comes back to that lack of self awareness, or oh, not lack of self awareness, that self awareness and lack of pretentiousness that this film kind of really demonstrates, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I just, know, I just thought that was worth noting. Yeah, well, well said, Nick. All so. Right. Um, Tom, what worked for you in this film? What worked for me in this film? The performances. Um, we can't understate how good and enjoyable and funny everyone is in this film. Um, right down to the tour assistant lady, ask, like, having a go at him about what she's saying. She's like, oh, the guys didn't really think you'd be filming that much. Can we see some of the fil- the footage and stuff? <laughs> um, everyone plays their parts really well. and But Tom, obviously, is just like a huge shine in this film. This film doesn't work if he's not hilarious and engaging and good to be around. 
Obviously, Matt helps that out, but you can get by more of Matt not talking if Tom's still super funny, you know. Um, so Tom sh- and Tom's yeah. mum's oh, well, the Behringer mother is pretty funny as well. She she delivers on the goods. I will note quickly that I think that Matt is good in this because I think that he is funnier than he acts in this film. You know? Yeah. Because in this for this film to work, he needs to be less funny and more serious and let Tom do that. But I, I just think that he's funnier than he lets on. You know? That's a good good observation. Um, what else works? Tight editing. This film keeps its vision like for it would actually be a conceptually hard film to edit because there'd be so many avenues um but they really stuck with the story and they didn't make the story like they stuck with the plot they didn't make the story super dead giveaway at the start and worked it in very naturally um you got to see a lot of interesting footage they i think what really wins for this film is that they didn't like become second place to the band like the film came first which made it so much better um I just if wanna, they, I just felt more in, in, in forced to like put songs in and performance in, then it's probably it kind of takes you out of it more. Yeah. Okay. Well, I was going to say something else, but going on what you're just saying, it is funny that their music soundtracks the film because it's mm. music, like I was saying at the start, that could soundtrack any dramatic scene. Um, yeah. And the fact that it's soundtracking this is very like funny. It's taking the piss yeah. of how yeah some of the music isn't all that. Um, what about the celebrity cameos? We haven't mentioned them really. Beyond oh, Obama. I think they're, they're really good scenes and they're really funny. Um, Will Arnett is really great. Will Arnett seems like a good dude. Um, and it's funny seeing John Krasinski and Emily Blunt and then Annie. And he, like, I think he gets a beer. Yeah, Matt takes a beer out of his hand when he's talking to Annie, which is yeah. pretty funny. Yeah. Um, I what think, do you think? What about the Werner scene? The Werner scene's great. Like, I, that's obviously scripted. That's hilarious. Um, yeah. Just saying the name Werner Herzog in, like, a serious <laughs> discussion between two brothers is very funny. Yeah. That was, I don't know. That made me laugh. That was one of the funniest scenes, I think. I suppose it makes me realise that the National are bigger and appeal to different people than I would have thought about, you know. But music like is... That- yeah, but that's what music's about, you know. And it, it's always funny because it feels personal to you and then it feels personal to all these like other celebrities. Like, that's weird to think about, I think. And yeah. other creative people, you know. Like, you could go to Will Arnett's house and have a gin and tonic and he puts on The National and you're like, oh, I also like this album, Will Arnett. Well, and like Taylor Swift, right, is obviously an enormous national fan considering that she mm. made two national albums now <laughs> like yeah interesting how bizarre yeah uh what yes yeah, syncness works the the music works the the different scenes work like there's enough going on screen like they go into enough interesting places and the band members making fun of themselves works uh what would you change what would i change um i don't know that's really hard to answer yeah. I don't know what I changed. It, it's funny because it's such a thing that is itself that you don't mm. really want to mess with the fabric of that, you know? Yeah. And changing something would be like ch- messing with the storyline because he made the film, you know? Mm. So if you're but doing that. But then I think you're... the storyline's just so, so good. It's such a good mm. mockumentary storyline. Yeah. It's so well done. Mm. Okay. No complaints. What are you going to rate it? This, I've been thinking about this since we watched this movie, and I don't know if you can feel it, man, but I can feel it, and 
I love this movie. I found it hilarious. Like, I was straight up laughing all the time. And, like, we were watching it and I was saying how good this movie is going. Um, since I don't know what I'd change and I think it's such a fantastic... Uh, like, it's just a, a perfect version of what it is. I'm going to give this a five star. <clears throat> five stars, baby, five stars, baby, five little stars. That's amazing. Five stars, five stars. Wow. This is in the mood for love. This is perfect at what it is. You know what I mean? Like, it's so yeah. good. It's so funny. It's so succinct. You wouldn't even get bored of it. Um, yeah. I, I think... Yeah. It was night it was cool like watching this and because i was like oh do you want to watch this national movie because we didn't do context at the start but like i knew this existed and i kind of knew what it was about mm. um but you obviously didn't really and when you sat down to watch a national film you probably thought we were watching like shut up and play the hits or something like that um yeah or something serious i so, I, I thought yeah. we were watching like a, a a ballerina like stage performance thing you know yeah um so i it was fun sitting down with you and then like you're like laugh, pissing yourself like three minutes into the film. <laughs> it was obviously like a cool misdirect that ended up happening, I think. Yeah. What Man, are you going to give it? I don't what know. Do well, now I feel pressured to give it a five because it's, it's difficult. It's one of those things that, you know, you, I, I sat down to this pod and you, um, oh, you can see how much I want to talk about their music <laughs> because how much I like them, you know, and how mm. like much their music is influential to me and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And then this film is a, is like a perfect thing on top of that that just adds a lot to it and you didn't need it you did, or you didn't know you needed it and now it's there and you're just really glad that it exists. Yeah. So I, it's kind of hard to rate because, you know, I think that it's the same way like we love other films about musicians or whatever because they're just, they bring something more to the table. Um, but I think what this one has over the other ones is that it exists as a standalone thing as well, I think, you know. Um, and I'm just really glad it got made. And I think it's peak, you know, for something that's so kind of silly, it's like peak creativity to me. Like, I just think it's so smart. Mm -hmm. And so mm. I'm just glad that they did it. I don't know. I feel I feel like mm -hmm. I'm getting pressured into this five, but I'm going to give it a five as well, I guess. Don't give it a five if you don't want to. What but, were you going to give it? Come in well, this. I didn't have it in my head, to be honest. I was kind of okay. like, I think like it's one of those things where you go, you don't know what you should give it. You feel like you should give it a lesser rating because of whatever, you know, like it's not mm. like you're saying we can't sit down and dissect the editing and stuff like that or the lens choices, but it's great. It's just like making, I don't know, it's, it's really great. <laughs> it's a great piece of entertainment. It's a great piece of documentary making. It's just, it's really smart. It's fantastic. I mean, we obviously like it as well because we're brothers and creative um, you know, creatively linked. <laughs> Tryhards. Yeah. Cool. And cool. I think I we like watch it. it we're and we, and we silence. Think, I think that we watch it and we go, man, if we get famous, we'd have to do something like this. Looking you know? forward to making ours. <laughs> which, is, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, it's nice watching band members and not see the part that you don't like about them, like not seeing them go... Oh, so you know, you just gotta follow the American dream, and here are some healing crystals, and like, there's no like insight thing that they let slip that you don't like or like can't engage with mm. fully. Maybe cut that part. Yeah, I don't want to um, offend our healing crystal, crystal. fan base, but 
<laughs> and I think the point, and this is the thing, is that I don't want to know my musical heroes on a personal level. Like, I've always, I, I don't know if I've always felt that way, but I definitely feel more and more like that, you know. There's definitely a point where you... It's different because our culture and celebrity now, you have to give tons and everyone needs everything. But I just think that you end up disliking people. Like, it's burning out fast if you do that. And this film being a step back for... Like, a step away is just, like, the perfect way to digest their story and enjoy the music and the art, I think. Yeah, and it's good to protect yourself with a little bit of fiction as well. Like, because... Fiction, I think, is actually revealing. Like, what kind of fiction you write and lean into and stuff is revealing because it's like that thing where if you make a joke, you know how people make passive-aggressive jokes where it's like, oh, you could help me with those bags, and they're like, what? And you're like, nah, I'm just kidding, uh, blah, blah. Hmm. Like, that's, you know how that is obviously a thought that they actually had for them to say the joke? That's sort of what this is. It's hmm. like them going, oh, yeah, Matt, I'm, yeah, you're right. I'm jealous of you. No, I'm just kidding, Matt. Don't worry about it. So, it is it is quite revealing in a... It is honest. Yeah, it is very honest. Way. Cool. So, this has been another terrific episode. Another classic. Follow yeah. us on a Instagram. A nice, succinct I'm one. Brother. And follow, yeah, follow me Will Silky Official. And follow me on Letterboxd. Yeah. L-I-L-S-A-L-K-Y. I got a few le- followers after my Instagram post the other day, so that's nice. Um... Yeah. I would say Great buy stuff. my music so that we can make this film, our version of this yeah. film. Mm. Buy it make, from Spotify. Make us famous. Please. There right. you have it. This has been another classic. See ya. Another classic or a fresh one. If we knew what we wanted, you'd be useless. Tell us what's in. Tell us who's done Another antique shipwreck you spun It's a Friday or a Tuesday They mark my week, tell me